Today is Divine Mercy Sunday. We received this gospel, and in this gospel, what does it tell us about the infinite mercy of God? If we walk through this passage, the disciples, for the most part, had already run away. They had run away from him at the cross. They had abandoned him. They, I don't think that we could say they are worthy. And nevertheless, Jesus, he comes to them. God, he comes to them. And it isn't really even a question of being worthy. We don't see anything in this about whether or not they're worthy. We don't see anything about how good they did, how well they performed. We just see that they're scared in the upper room. They have a good degree of fear, and God comes to them. We see that the doors are even locked, you know, because they're afraid. And they lock all those doors. It's like they don't want anyone else to come in. And hidden from the world and anything that might hurt them, Christ sees them, sees that their doors are closed, and he walks right through the doors. He doesn't actually open the door. He doesn't necessarily um, take away all those fears right away. He leaves it for them to open the doors eventually. But he himself, Christ, he comes to be with them. He sees where their misery is, and he comes to be with them. And the first thing he says is, peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And he speaks about the forgiveness of their sins. So immediately is taking us to a new level. But then you see the same thing with Thomas, except for even pushed a step further. Thomas... Um, he wants some rationality to it all. And it's good, in a sense. It's not necessarily terribly wrong. But, again, Thomas isn't someone that we see deserved this either. Christ could have said, well, I'm sorry, but if you're not totally open, then I'm not going to come. If you're doubting, I'm not going to come. But here, he shows us his infinite mercy. And he says to Thomas, put your finger here. Look, here are my hands. Doubt no longer, but believe. And it's, you know, it's not even a question of fair of what is right or what is just. 
Although that has something to do with it, I'm sure. But it seems to immediately go beyond that. And it's as if Christ, he loves them so much that even in seeing the difficulty of Thomas, whether it be his doubt or it be his tendency to want a, a justification or not necessarily to follow the crowd, all those things, he sees, Jesus sees beyond it and he comes to them. He comes to him. Immediately, Thomas, it doesn't say that he puts his finger into his side. Thomas, he sees this mercy and he says, my Lord and my God. It's as if he falls to his knees. And there's something to that. And it's a good meditation on this day, uh, this day of divine mercy, that's the resurrection which we're celebrating today. It isn't because we deserve. We learn that in Lent. We learn that in Holy Week. It's because God is love. And he has loved so much that he sees us in our suffering. He sees us in our misery. And you know that famous poem that was really big in the 70s and the 80s, Footsteps, where God has come to walk by our side along the beach. And there were times where there was only one set of footprints. And those were the times where he carried us. He doesn't abandon us. In this gospel, we see that Christ, in his infinite mercy, he took their misery and he brought it to the, his heart. He brought it into his sacred heart. He transcends the order of fairness or justice. He didn't go against it. It's not as if they were saying, I don't want to have anything to do with Christ. It's not as if they were saying that. That would have been going against the freedom of these apostles. Rather, he sees that their desire was to love, but in their misery they were incapable. And he comes, and he's coming to heal the wound of their hearts to help them to not be afraid any longer so that they might know that God loves them personally. He came to them personally. It wasn't just an abstract statement, an abstract thought. You know, here with Thomas, it all of a sudden became super concrete incredibly concrete. It became incredibly real how much God loves him and how much God is there for him. I know that in my own family and in our own walk, this mystery of divine mercy given by St. Faustina and St. John Paul II for the whole church has greatly marked my family. I'll often mention how 
important it was for my grandfather at the moment of his death. But it is also the thing that has given us hope throughout the years that God has seen our misery, our fragility, and he's pierced through the clouds to come, like he did for Thomas, to show us his heart. And it's rooted so much in what we know to be that truth that has been revealed to us from the beginning, that God is infinite. He created all things. He sustains all things in existence. And his love is infinite. And he even made us so that he can share his love, so that he can be here with us, so that he can dwell with us. He's not a God who's far off, but he's a God who has loved us so much that he's come to be with us. And then, in seeing us in our misery, he came even further, and he breaks through the walls. He breaks through all those walls that have prevented us because of our own misery, our own sin, our own failures. He breaks through those walls and cries out to us, I am infinite love. My heart is so large that I have never left you that I have never left you even in your darkest moments, even in your most difficult points, that my love is so large that I can only express it through the cross and the resurrection. For in the cross, I showed you how much I thirsted to give you my life. And in the resurrection, I showed you that not even death can hold back my love. Not even death, the greatest of all evils, that end, that final moment, that ending point of the evil in our life can hold me back from loving you. And so he bursts through the doors of death in order to come and to give us his heart. And we, we don't believe that then it was like as if it was one moment in time, as if it was just simply there that he resurrected, and now we can go to him. We still believe that he's piercing through that veil, for that's the heart of mercy. Mercy is when he takes our misery to his heart, misericordia. We take, he takes his, our misery to his heart. He lives with us and dwells with us. And he does that most especially today in the Eucharist. His heart beats still for us and longs for us. And there, he is alone in the tabernacle. He is alone waiting, bursting through those doors in order to come to us as for us to ask. And you know, in this time of COVID, we ask to make that spiritual communion and there he will burst through the doors 
to come to you right now. For you are not alone. He has loved your children, your family, and you long before you were born. And so let us hear these words. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's very nice. For he's saying, if you've received his love, go out and give. Show that infinite love and lay down your life. Sometimes when we're stuck in a bubble, the closeness of living together can get a little lurksome, a little bothersome at times. And hopefully we hear these words that it is even now that we're called to grow in that gift, in that virtue, to become Eucharistic men and women, men and women filled with the infinite love of God and the infinite mercy of God. For we know that he's loved us so much that he's come to us. That even for those difficult moments with our family, those difficult moments when we're caught in confines, we swallow our pride and we lay out our life. And we learn that virtue of charity to be able to offer like Christ did to be those Eucharistic people given in a flame, a flame of love so that all might know that God has loved us first. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.